Good morning, I'm Pastor Gillespie from St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church and School, Sherman Center, Random Lake, Wisconsin. Good to have you with us here today for our Congregation of Prayer, a guide for daily meditation and prayer around God's Word. It is Monday, February 7th, 2022, and we continue our catechesis uh, through the Book of the Kings or Chronicles, depending on which account we'd like to read. Today, um, King Josiah restores worship. We'll talk about uh, the role of the elders, the fathers in uh, restoring faithfulness to Judah. Okay. Uh, obviously, uh, being Monday, we have got some, uh, actually, as of yesterday, we have a new memory verse, new psalm, etc. So let's look at that. Let's go. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. All right. Let's say our memory verse for this week. Speaking of the prophet, as we heard last week, they shall all shall know me from the least of them to the greatest of them, says the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity and their sin I will remember no more. Jeremiah 31 verse 34, they all shall know me from the least of them to the greatest of them, says the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity and their sin I will remember no more. Again, Jeremiah uh, chapter 31, which is uh, rich in gospel. So despite uh, Jeremiah being called the weeping prophet, uh, you'll find that there is still sweet gospel in the midst of the book. All right, our psalm uh, is Psalm 145, a psalm of David. I will extol you, my God and King, and bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. On the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works I will meditate. They shall speak of the might of your awesome deeds, and I will declare your greatness. They shall pour forth the fame of your abundant goodness and shall sing aloud of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is good to all, and his mercy is over all that he has made. All your works shall give thanks to you, O Lord, and all your saints shall bless you. They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and tell of your power, to make known to the children of man your mighty deeds and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and your dominion endures throughout all generations. The Lord is faithful in all his works, our words, and kind in all his works. The Lord upholds all who are falling and raises up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you, and you give them their food in due season. You open your hand and you satisfy the desire of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and kind in all his works. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desire of those who fear him. He also hears their cry and saves them. The Lord preserves all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. My mouth will speak the praise of the Lord and let all flesh bless his holy name forever and ever. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, 
is now, and will be forever. Amen. All right. Our first reading today is from 2 Corinthians. Now we're in chapter 10. Now I, Paul, myself, am pleading with you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, who in presence am lowly among you, but being absent am bold toward you. But I beg you that when I am present, I may not be bold with that confidence by which I intend to be bold against some who think of us as if we walked according to the flesh. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war against according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ, and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Do you think, or do you look at things according to the outward appearance? If anyone is convinced in himself that he is Christ, let him again consider this in himself, that just as he is Christ, even so we are Christ. For even if I should boast somewhat more about our authority, which the Lord gave us for edification and not for your destruction, I shall not be ashamed, lest I seem to terrify you by letters. For his letters, they say, are weighty and powerful, but his bodily presence is weak and his speech contemptible. Let such a person consider this, that when or what we are in word by letters when we are absent, such we also be indeed when we are present. For we dare not class ourselves or compare ourselves with those who commend themselves. But they, measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves, are not wise. We, however, will not boast beyond measure, but within the limits of the sphere which God appointed us, a sphere which especially includes you. For we are not overextending ourselves as though our authority did not extend to you. For it was to you that we came with the gospel of Christ, not boasting of things beyond measure, that is, in other men's labors, but having hope that as your faith increased, is increased, we shall be greatly enlarged by you in our sphere, to preach the gospel in the regions beyond you, and not to boast in another man's sphere of accomplishment. But he who glories, let him glory in the Lord. For not he who commends himself is approved, but whom the Lord commends. All right, and I think the end of that is really the key. Right? It's the Lord who commands. Paul, um, here, uh, it's kind of a complicated argument. I'm not sure I entirely understand exactly what he's saying at this point. I'd have to do some more in-depth study of this, and I haven't really had that much of an occasion to do so. Right, But you'll note, um, he's really talking about, it seems to be a, a regular problem in Corinth. It was a problem addressed in his first letter that um, not everyone who's come along, uh, actually a lot of people who've come along to preach and teach in Corinth, have been far more impressive uh, than Paul and those whom he's brought with him, like Timothy or Titus or Barnabas, right? And that uh, impressiveness isn't really what makes um, the person uh, authoritative, right? Um, outward appearance isn't really the point, or even the way uh, the way that they speak, right? His speech was contemptible, they say, of Paul. Well, the, the question is, do they speak with God's authority? Namely, do they come with the gospel of Christ? And do they boast in the gospel of Christ, or do they boast in their own efforts and their own works? Right? And that's the, that's the real key difference here. Um, you know, I always struggle with this because you know when good is accomplished, it's easy to try to take credit for of it um, for yourself, right? Rather than to boast in the Lord, who is the one who accomplishes any good in us, especially here in the Christian congregation. So I think that's the key. All right.
Our reading for catechesis, not a long reading, but a good one, is from 2 Chronicles chapter 34. Then the king sent and gathered all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem. The king went up to the house of the Lord with all the men of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the priests and the Levites, and all the people, great and small. And he read in their hearing all the words of the book of the covenant, which had been found in the house of the Lord. Then the king stood in his place and made a covenant before the Lord to follow the Lord and to keep his commandments and his testimonies and his statutes with all his heart and all his soul, to perform the words of the covenant that were written in this book. And he made all who were present in Jerusalem and Benjamin take a stand. So the inhabitants of Jerusalem did according to the covenant of God, the God of their fathers. And thus Josiah removed all the abominations from all the country that belonged to the children of Israel, and made all who were present in Israel diligently serve the Lord their God. All his days they did not depart from following the Lord, the God of their fathers. All right, there is the reading. So some catechesis. Again, not a long reading, but I think I'm quite instructive here, actually. Um, who went up to the temple of the Lord with Josiah? Remember on uh, Friday we heard how the book of the law was um, discovered by Hilkiah and he sent his priest to read it to Josiah. Yeah, here he calls the elders of Judah, the men of Judah, the people of Jerusalem, along with the priests and the Levites and all the people along with them, least to greatest. Notice who he's calling uh, to himself. It's the heads of the households, right? It's, it's the fathers. So he's calling these fathers because, as they will hear the, the book of the law, whose job will it be to instruct their children in the way they should go, so that they do not depart from it? Again, the fathers. Yeah. What did Josiah do at the temple? He read, Josiah read, all the words of the book of the covenant that had been found in the temple. Right? So, uh, the books of Moses, presumably, right? Um, in verse 31, as you can see here in the middle, in particular, what did the king do as he stood in his place. Yeah, he makes a covenant before the Lord, right? So he heard the covenant, that is the promise that the Lord had made to him, and now he returns um, with, with promise back to the Lord, right? Covenant to the Lord, as the Lord himself um, commands, right? It involved what? That he would <clears throat> uh, follow the Lord, right? To hold fast to his commands, um, to the regulations, the decrees, remember, which govern not only the temple, but also the daily life of a faith of a faithful Jew, right? Of God's people, right? So follow all of them, much like we know with the Ten Commands, right? Which govern our entire life of faith and and um, vocation in this world. And notice that he'll follow them all with his heart and with all his soul, right? Notice he says he will do perform the words of the covenant that were written in the book, right? And we'll see that tomorrow with the feast of the Passover, right? Which is commanded. Uh, by the scriptures. Um, so, how might you say this um, in the language of the New Testament? You know, what is Josiah really declaring here? He's confessing his faith, right, or trust in the Lord, who has revealed himself in the words of the covenant. Remember, the covenant came first, the covenant, the book of the covenant, God's promise, God's instruction, and then now Josiah is saying, it is good, I trust, I believe, right? And uh, for the children this morning, I liken this to um, another human institution, right? Um, the uh, the right of confirmation, right? Where we are given to say um, before God and before one another that uh, we agree with God's word, that we have faith in God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, uh, and that we promise that we will walk in, the, in that word and that we'll remain faithful even unto death, right? Quoting uh, Revelation. Uh, notice who joins Josiah in this confession. 
Right. It's the God of, or excuse me, it's all who are present in Jerusalem and Benjamin, right? Not only the heads of the household, but the from the least to the greatest, right? Um, they all promise to do so. So they follow after the king. This is uh, the reason why you want uh, good and faithful rulers, right? That means following after God's heart. And what happened then in the reign of Josiah? Yeah, we have all the abominations from all the country um, were removed, right? And the people served the Lord. And note again, they says this twice, right? The God of their fathers, right? I think this is connected with the elders at the beginning, right? Who are, the, who are those responsible for handing down for the tradition, for the handing over of the faith? It's fathers to, to their children, right? To their household. Um, so calling, that, calling the Lord God the God of their fathers, it's obviously returning to the covenant made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, right? Even to David, right? But, or Noah, for that matter. But also um, returning to the faithfulness of the generations that preceded them, right? Fourth commandment, honor your father and your mother. It uh, doesn't just mean immediate father and mother. It does mean generationally, all those who are faithful. Right? Uh, there may, may be something to be said then, uh, not just in a spiritual sense, but in an earthly sense, the way that um, it's kind of vogue these days, has been for the last, oh, I don't know, since at least the 50s or 60s maybe, um, to forsake the fathers, right? To reject what's been handed over, the tradition, right? And actually our country um, is a tradition. It has a, actually a traditional text. That's the, um, the Declaration and the Constitution. These are our traditional texts, right? Um, and if we reject them, uh, that won't necessarily be without consequence. Okay. All right, a meditation then. The renewal of the covenant in the temple anticipated Christ's preaching of repentance at the temple. It is also a reminder that the life of a Christian is one of constant repentance. Those who live in such repentance can rest in the certainty of their deliverance. Josiah's renewal of the covenant bids us to come to God's house and be cleansed by the preaching of his word. That word created faith in the hearts of Josiah and the people of Jerusalem. Good. Speaking of confession, what is the office of the keys? The office of the keys is that uh, special authority which Christ has given to his church on earth to forgive the sins of repentant sinners, but to withhold forgiveness from the unrepentant as long as they do not repent. Right. Where is this written? This is what St. John the Evangelist writes in chapter 20. The Lord Jesus breathed on his disciples and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. What do you believe according to these words? I believe that when the called ministers of Christ deal with us by his divine command, in particular when they exclude openly unrepentant sinners from the Christian congregation and absolve those who repent of their sins and want to do better, this is just as valid and certain even in heaven as if Christ our dear Lord dealt with us himself. All right, we pray. Well, Lord Jesus, we give thanks to you that you have given to your church on earth that special authority to forgive the sins of repentant sinners but to withhold forgiveness from the unrepentant as long as they do not repent. Grant faithfulness to your church and our ministers in the preaching of the gospel and the administration of your sacraments. Deliver us from all impenitence and unbelief. Give us truly repentant hearts that, confessing our sins and fleeing to your mercy, we might receive from you the full and free forgiveness of all our sins. By your forgiveness, strengthen our faith in you and grant us to live in faithfulness and love toward others. In your holy name we pray. Amen. O God. In the glorious transfiguration of your beloved Son, you confirmed the mysteries of the faith by the testimony of Moses and Elijah. 
And the voice that came from the bright cloud, you wonderfully foreshadowed our adoption by grace. Mercifully make us co-heirs with the King in his glory, and bring us to the fullness of our inheritance in heaven. Through the same Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. We pray this day for faith to live in the promises of holy baptism, for vocations and daily work, for the unemployed, for the salvation and well-being of our neighbors, for our schools, our homeschools, our colleges and seminaries, and for good government and peace. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Uh, We pray with Willis and Blake, who both celebrated their baptism yesterday. We pray for the households of our church, especially this week, with Dan and Bonnie, Doug, Kara, Kyle, Ron and Joan, Chad and Jolene. Of course, we pray with Chad and Jolene at the birth of Carson John. Commend him to the waters of holy baptism. We pray for those who are ill, receiving treatment, or recovering, especially Marcella, Bev, Kelsey, Amanda, Dan, Brad, Timothy, and Janice, Ken, Norm, Sandy, Kathy, Jim, Jim, Mike, and Donna. Pray for our homebound, Willis, Mickey, and Paul. Pray for our mission of the month, Sheboygan Area Lutheran High School. Pray an intercession for our government and all those in authority, that they would serve uh, with integrity and honor and according to our Lord's word. Pray for those grieving, um, Norm and Donna, at the death of Donna's brother, Randy. For all this, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. All right. Uh, nope, no commemoration today. All right, good. Let's pray the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. I thank you, my heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, your dear Son, that you have kept me this night from all harm and danger. And I pray that you would keep me this day also from sin and every evil, that all my doings in life may please you. For into your hands I commend myself, my body and soul, and all things. Let your holy angel be with me, that the evil foe may have no power over me. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. All right, we sing our hymn for this week. You might recognize it. We sang it yesterday at Divine Service.
still through the deep feuding in night, bring up the song, good will to men, sung once by firstborn sons of light, it echoes now, good will Before we leave, how about uh, we hear uh, a little bit more about this hymn, you know, which we'll sing the rest of the week, uh, and that way uh, maybe it'll be even more vivid for you, uh, rather than put that off until Saturday. Let's do it today. Since our uh, reading today was a little bit shorter, that gives us opportunity to do this before we leave. All right. Uh, there we are. Uh, in 1883, while vicar of St. Thomas's, Winklebank, Sheffield, John Julian wrote this hymn for the Sheffield Church Choir's Festival on April 16th, the Monday following the fourth Sunday of Easter. The next year, w. A., uh, w. Garrett Horder included it in his Congregational Hymns, having recently published a selection of poetry corresponding to the events of Scripture, that's in the Poet's Bible, 1881. Horder emphasized poetic composition while selecting hymns, and Julian's recent work was no exception. Horder associated the hymn with Revelation 5, verse 12, Worthy is the Lamb who is slain. The original fourth stanza, omitted in LSB, <laughs> as always, highlights the apocalyptic vision of the nations rising and gathering expectantly before the throne, singing praise to the Lamb for his sacrificial victory over Satan and calling for the consummation of his reign. Nations afar, in ignorance deep, isles of the sea where darkness lay, these hear his voice, they wake from sleep, and throng with joy the upward way. They cry with us, send forth thy light, O Lamb, once slain for sinful men. Burst Satan's bonds, O God of might, set all men free, amen, amen. That's 1884. The loss of this stanza's allusion to the resurrection is answered in LSB by the editing of Julian's The Lamb, Once Slain for Sinful Man in the first stanza to end but raised again. Other revisions soften the poetic tenor of Julian's hymn. For example, the closing stanza now has a prosaic progression, then raise and shout, whereas Julian's original favors the poetic force of anaphora, 
that highlights all creation song. Right, so this is the original last stanza. Sing to the Lord a glorious song. Sing to his name, his love foretell. Sing on heaven's hosts, his praise prolong. Sing ye who now on earth do dwell. So sing, 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 sing. Got it? An offer. As the standard continues, poetic parallelism that emphasizes the scriptural theme, Revelation 5.12, sung on heaven and on earth is also hidden. All right, so here's the end, the original end of that stanza. Worthy the lamb for sinners slain, from angels praise and thanks from men. Worthy the lamb enthroned to reign, glory and power, amen and amen. All right, so that part's the same. In addition, the poetic references to the angelic realm are altered in LSB. In the first stanza, this revision clarifies what Julian's poetic play on light left obscure. To thee, where angels know no night, now reads, to you in heaven's glory bright. So that's meant to be a reference to the angels. Right? In the third stanza, however, Julian's clarity is obscured. The angelic song, <laughs> the angelic song beyond our hearing, so sang his host unheard by men, is the original, so sang his hosts unheard by men, now says, so um, becomes a host beyond our understanding, so sang that host beyond our ken, our understanding. Hmm. And Julian's emphasis on upon heartfelt hope, lift up your hearts for you, he waits, becomes lift up your heads, your king awaits. So I think, who wrote the commentary here? David Schmidt from uh, St. Louis Seminary. I think he's still teaching. I don't think he's retired yet. Uh, he's not so favorable to the um, revisions here. And he would argue that stanza that was removed should be restored. So maybe maybe the next hymnal in a you know, couple dozen years, right? And that will happen. Yeah, it's this kind of research that needed to be done um, for us, for, for the next generations, uh, to even do a better job of revising the hymnal, perhaps restoring things that had been revised away because we didn't quite like what they said. All right, so there you go. Lord be with you all um, this day. Of course, you can go back and watch yesterday's divine service if you like, the complete thing, or listen to the children sing, etc. Or um, just the sermon is available as a separate video on YouTube, uh, also on the podcast, the audio, or if you prefer to call in. So you can go and listen to that. Although you can't call in to listen to the sermon because you'll be hearing this. So anyway, Lord be with you all, and we'll see you tomorrow for more prayer.